Hey everybody, it is time for Mental Health Matters, the podcast sponsored by St. Louis Counseling. Check us out at stlouiscounseling.org. And this is Tom Duff, I'm the Executive Director of St. Louis Counseling, also a licensed clinical social worker, so I'm a therapist at heart. And, uh, and actually, I'm becoming a podcaster. You know, I've been doing this for a year now, and now I guess I'm a podcaster as well. And I should also say that Giving Tuesday is coming up. So those of you that are still listening after 30 seconds of the podcast will hear this. Giving Tuesday is coming up um, about a month from now. If you are interested in donating to a nonprofit, please think of St. Louis Counseling. And please go to our website, stlouiscounseling.org, or reach out directly to Debbie Dugan. That's D-D-U-G-A-N at ccstl.org. So as always, you know, we're trying to make mental health topics and areas related to mental health okay to talk about around the dinner table and um we and which helps us break down stigma so today we have another special guest and she is going to talk to us a little bit about well just life right just life and what struggles life are sometimes but um deep thoughts deep thoughts i like that and that's going to be deep thoughts with Ginny Beatrice. How are you, Ginny? Good. Good to be here. Good. I am excited you're here. You know, we have a common acquaintance. Um, actually, actually, it's Debbie Dugan. You used to teach PSR, public school religion for you non-Catholics out there, with Debbie Dugan back in the day, huh? We did. We did. We're fearless leaders Well, in that department. How many years ago was that? Too many to say? Let's just not talk about that part. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, you know, in your, in, your, in your daytime job, right? So you're the um, communications director at Sisters of St. Joseph of Carondelet. Yes, Carondelet. So, Carondelet. Mm-hmm. Carondelet sounds just kind of fancier to well, me. Well, French. Yeah. French, yeah. French is fancy, right? It is. I don't know. Uh, fancy, speaking of fancy, you're from Jersey, aren't you? I'm from Jersey. I'm yeah. glad you connected that with fancy. That's <laughs> yeah. not always what I get. <laughs> How long have you been in St. Louis? About 20 years. Oh, so you're maybe not, you you don't have that thick accent anymore, do you? No, when I first got here, everybody said I spoke too fast. And I thought you all spoke too slow. Now I just said, y'all, I'm in now. Oh, you're in, you're in. It's official. You're from the boot heel now, probably, right? Yep. We just, we love Missouri. We love our our dialects. That is true about speaking slow. I've I've heard that before from people from different coasts um, that... You guys just kind of speak with a drawl, too. And I'm like, this is middle America. We don't have an a accent like that, but I guess some bit. people do. A mm-hmm. little bit, y'all. So, um, so, you know, I think today we'll talk a little bit. Um, you wanted to share a little bit of your story, um, kind of like just your own struggles at times with mental health, right? Yeah. And um, you've been open about uh, uh, some di- different diagnoses or bipolar 2 that mm-hmm. um, you cope with. Um, uh, when those symptoms come up from time to time. So once again, it's about people like this podcast, right? It's about people sharing a story that others can relate to and that gives courage to people as well too. So thank you, you know, for your willingness to do that. So I guess one question is, so, you know, bipolar right off the bat, you know, so I I think we hear that term a lot, um, in today's, media today's society you know and at one time uh there was manic depressive it was called that you know and so basically if you're listening out there um bipolar just in general is um some people have these these wide range mood swings where you're really up you're kind of manic um like uh feeling 
very energized, very, very um, uh, uh, just up, hyped, you know? And then there's these other lows where it's very low. And so there, and from a diagnosis world, you have bipolar one, bipolar two, um, and that's just really, if you're gonna break it down, really simple is just different magnitude of some of those swings or when you're up, you know, just different magnitudes of that. So just those listening as we get started with this and uh, Jenny shares some of her story. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what we'll talk about. And I'm sure you'll be able to talk in more detail about mm -hmm. that too. So I guess my first question is like, why, why were you okay with com coming on a podcast with millions and millions <laughs> well, of listeners? Excuse me, I have yeah. to go now. <laughs> um, why were you okay with uh, kind of sharing your story? Well, I found that when I told someone face to face what I was experiencing that I had bipolar two. I didn't explode, they didn't run away screaming, and it was good for me to share it, um, made me feel more confident and better about my relationships with people, that I could be open about what I was going through and that they were still there for me. I also found that when I was talking to people, they would start telling me about their experiences, whether it's their own or a family member or a friend, and it seems like everybody's got some kind of relationship that mental illness has impacted. So I feel like it not only empowers me to talk about it, but it empowers other people to share their story and um, help their loved ones if yeah. needed. Yeah, that's exactly it, you know, and you're not alone, you know. Um, and I think a lot of times that an anticipating what people's reactions are gonna be. And, and I think a lot of that probably comes from the stigma associated with mental health that over mm -hmm. years, you know, that has developed and still, it's, I don't think it's as bad today as it used to be, but I mean, that's what deters people, but it's cool to hear how, you know, for you to say like, you know, people didn't run away when I said <laughs> something. Um, and at the same time, what it does for you as well, I think is important that kind of empowers um, you and gives you confidence and being able to speak about it. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. So. When did you first realize from a mental health standpoint that like, huh, maybe, maybe something isn't what it should be? Well, I come from a family where people have a history of mental illness and challenges, whether diagnosed or undiagnosed addictions and dysfunctions. So I've always been acutely aware of my mm -hmm. mental state. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled over the years. I've had counseling, been on medications, but it was only in recent years where I became unable to function in daily life. I had an extreme depressive episode that involved a lot of crying, a lot of mm -hmm. horizontal bed mm -hmm. lying. And I mean, I went to work and that was it. And I really could not continue on. So that's when I got diagnosed with bipolar two. And so I'm, 50 something yeah. Yeah. and it was just later in life that I realized what that was uh -huh. and then kind of everything else made sense wow wow so so just recently that mm -hmm. was able to and so well first of all let me also say right off the bat too you know communications director right um so you can have a mental health mental health issue or a mental illness and still be successful Yes. Right. You know, right. that's so sometimes our public thinks like, oh, they have a mental illness. You know, um, are they OK? Can they function? Right. And there's so and like you said earlier, so many people 
are dealing with something. You know, everybody's dealing with something. So first off the bat, I just love pointing it out. It's like people are very successful and they have a mental illness, just as people are very successful and they have a physical health right. issue as well, too. So, so you mentioned, you know, some of those symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. So... So you've realized there's been some highs and lows. Are you more of a low? Yes. Or? Well, I'm more of a low, um, and that's par for the course with bipolar 2. It's got more lows than highs. Um, I think people are more familiar with bipolar 1. They don't know it's bipolar 1. Mm -hmm. But you talk about the media and what you see in the entertainment industry where people are very extreme. Um, and people do have that where their behavior is excessive and risky, maybe gambling or excessive shopping, things that really deter their life and, their, and harm their family's um, mm -hmm. life and their relationships. For bipolar 2, my mania is a hypomania where, you know, it actually looks good on the surface. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm energetic. I'm going to take on three jobs. I'm going to overproduce. I'm going to exercise a lot. I'm going to clean the house at 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm, you know, and it looks like you're doing great and you feel great. But that's the lie bipolar disorder will tell you, both when you're hyper and depressed. Uh -huh. um, you know, uh, it also comes with kind of a charged feeling where there's a lot of anger. Um, a lot of times I'd go on a tirade or, uh, you know, burst out, and that's common with it as well. So for all the quote-unquote good, I would say, I felt with it, there was always an edge mm -hmm. that just wasn't settled. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that part becomes damaging to people you love and in your relationships because you're going off and um, mm -hmm. they can't but help take it personally. Yeah. So, it, it, it's tough. So, for, for the person, like you said, that's going off, right? You don't want to go off no. on, on that person or that the thing that happened, right? You, you're not wanting to do that. That's not, and so people are like, well, isn't that a choice? You're choosing to act that right. way. But when you dive into even the science behind it and the cognitive, you know, uh, reasons behind that, it's not that easy to control. No, it's really, it's a compulsive feeling and you feel like you just have to release it. Mm -hmm. And somebody might happen to be standing there when mm -hmm. you have that feeling. And you also do it to yourself. You know, it's not just something you do to other people. You can feel that same anger about, uh, your own behavior, your life, um, and internally or externally mm -hmm. uh, express that personally. Mm -hmm. So, What about the lows? Because I think sometimes, um, like you mentioned, like, you know, you're able to go to work, but outside of that, you're laying down, right? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes people are like, get up, um, start moving around, just make yourself do that. Oh, just exercise and get some fresh air. It'll yeah. help. Yeah. Well, when you, gravity seems to take on extra force when you're depressed. I mean... It's very intense, um, and it's only in the past few years that I've really had extreme depression where I felt like I was close to not being able to continue functioning normally. Mm -hmm. But um, start off the day crying, crying on the way to work, somehow making it through work because I felt my only value was bringing home a paycheck. That was it. That's all mm -hmm. I was contributing. So I really felt a strong desire to get there. Otherwise, I don't know how. I mm -hmm. would have made it. Come home, more crying, more lying down. Uh, no showering. Something about showering when you're depressed, mm -hmm. it's very difficult. It takes a lot of energy. I think uh, 
it's very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're naked, mm -hmm. right? And all you yeah. want to do is wrap up like a burrito. And it just takes a lot of effort that just is the most simple thing. Uh -huh. But um, that's, that's interesting how you mm -hmm. describe that. I think it's that's it's very important, you know, if you're listening out there to realize that, like you said, that's how much energy that would take and then that vulnerability mm -hmm. where like you said like you just want to be wrapped in a blanket underneath a blanket stuff on top of you and you're doing the opposite baby. doing the opposite yeah that's hard yeah hard it's a challenge so then i mean how can you feel about yourself when you can't do the most basic of things that mm -hmm. many people thoroughly enjoy mm -hmm. right so um everything becomes a struggle um and a lot of these negative thoughts they seem like revelations, both when uh, hypomania and um, depression. It seems like I didn't realize this about myself all this time. What was wrong with me? Now, if I'm doing great, you know, oh, I'm, I'm excellent. If I'm doing bad, I didn't realize I was such a drain on society and my family and I'm just mm -hmm. a total loser. Mm -hmm. um, but it feels so real and true. Um, mm -hmm that it's very hard for somebody else to tell you that it's not. Mm -hmm. Because that's your perception, your re just as for you to go up and, you know, for someone that is a priest, you go up to a priest and say, hey, I need you to stop believing in God, okay? And I need you to go ahead and stop doing that right now. It's like right. you're going against everything this person stands for and chosen their life around. And they're just, you know, no, <laughs> no, that's not the way it is. And for you, uh, for someone dealing with that, right, it's the same concept. You, we're trying to just sell you on like, hey, just get up. Come on over here and sit with me. But yeah. in reality, it's like the complete opposite of what yeah. you need. It's very isolating. Even if you're around people and people who love you, you're still isolated, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. if you're present and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with them. So what was... Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, the last few years where you, you felt more of it, you know, more of the, the magnitude and severity of it. W you know, what, what prompted you to say, okay, go, go see somebody, go get some help, um, start a medication, mm -hmm. something along that. Well, I mean, I knew I needed help, but at the time I really couldn't even go about getting it. So my husband helped me. He knew uh, a doctor and got me an appointment mm -hmm. and that's how my recent um, bout started and how I became diagnosed. And I did go on medication and it's not always, a, you know, it's not a magic pill where all of a sudden you start taking a pill and that's the right one and that's the right dose and mm -hmm. um, everything changes right away. But um, it's a long haul, but mm -hmm. it's certainly valuable and it has saved my life in, mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, yeah, very much a process. Yeah. Medication by itself is a process. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, I think, important that you said, too, that it may not be the right one at first. You know, right. there's, a, there's a range of different medications that, you know, a psychiatrist or a doctor might look like, um, look at to say, okay, let's try this one, you know, and it may not work. So, you know, if you're out there listening and you tried, you've tried something, it didn't work. It doesn't mean give up on it. It doesn't mean give up on it. Yeah. And if it is working, it also doesn't mean give up on it because sometimes I hear people on medication say, well, I'm feeling fine now. I'm not taking it. Well, it's not like you had a sore throat and you took an antibiotic and it's over. Mm -hmm. You're feeling good because you're taking it. But, um, you know, that can trick you sometimes. So yeah. I'd say consistency is the key there. Mm -hmm. And acceptance, maybe acceptance, yeah. like you know, 
uh, I have I have bipolar too, and this medication helps me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to take it every day. Almost the same concept of I have high blood pressure, and exactly. this medication is supposed to keep that in check. I need to take that every right. day, you know. But yet sometimes we think two different ways about those things, right? Which is hard um, for general population in that sense to sometimes understand. Um, you know, you mentioned your husband, right? Um, kind of that support network, mm -hmm. um, finding a doctor or, you know, getting you to the doctor. Um, how important is that from your point of view, having at least one person, right? One yep. person engaged with you. And then, so one, the importance of that, but then two, how do you, how do you manage that? And what do you need from a, a person, a caretaker or that support system? Mm -hmm. Well, it's extremely important because you know that you're loved and valued because especially for me, and I'm sure other people are like this, I'll value myself on what I do. And when I can't do that, or I'm not doing it the way I think I should be, um, I feel like maybe I don't deserve support. So to have somebody consistently there um, through it all is just really important uh, for me and for how I see myself. Um, what I want from a caregiver, it's a challenge because the caregiver wants to help you and fix you and say the right thing and do the right thing. But you're having an internal struggle. There is no right thing or, mm -hmm. or well, maybe there's a wrong thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> <But> <laughs> there could be. There could be. Mm -hmm. But um, so what they want to offer is not necessarily what is reality but mm -hmm. just to have the presence there. And there are times, I, like I said, if, you're, if I'm lying in bed every second that I'm home, I'm not doing the dishes, I'm not driving the kids anywhere, mm -hmm. I'm not mopping the floor. So um, just the understanding that you, you don't want this. You don't want to mm -hmm. not participate in family life and, and in the relationship. You're just really unable mm -hmm. right then. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it's hard not to take things personally. Mm -hmm. like, talking about getting angry and yelling, you know, on the other end, it's very difficult not to take it personally. But if the caregiver's done some research and read a bit about whatever disorder it is um, you may have, mm -hmm. they can have more patience and a little more understanding. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some bells might go off, wait a minute, this isn't about me. So that helps. Yes. So patience and understanding. Yeah. You know, and really, I mean, such a, you know, I'm a big believer in knowing thyself, right? And then um, you're always, you're always just kind of on this journey, right, of of self-discovering who mm -hmm. you are and all that. Um, but it's like, you know, caring for somebody um, that is struggling, you learn a lot for yourself you from sure that caretaker, do. right? I mean, right. that person is discovering the ability to say like, this isn't about me, you know, and I care about that person. I love that person, but it's not about me. And so, I mean, it's even a growth experience for that for person them. as well too. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, um, value that, you know, that we all, all want to feel valued and, you know, and, and sometimes if we're not doing the stuff that we normally do to feel valued and then it's gotta be a lot of self-talk that goes on. I imagine. The you ruminating self-talk. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 So it's like, how do you, you know, I guess, what are some things do you, you say to yourself when you start feeling that, that level of doubt about yourself mm -hmm. or doubt about value? Like, and what would you suggest to others, you know, to be able to, to say to themselves to help at that moment? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting because when I was diagnosed, I had mixed feelings. You know, one way it's a relief, it explains a lot of things. And in another way, I'm questioning my whole life and every decision I made, right? Mm -hmm. Who made it, me or bipolar me, uh-huh. you know? Um, so I really had to stop looking at myself based on the doing and more on the being. So today, I'm, I accept the diagnosis and what I can handle. Um, and it's less than what I used to be able to handle, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding your, your spot, the where you can manage your life really helps you stay in balance. Um, and I feel like I don't have to do everything because I went through that period where I didn't do everything, right? I couldn't. And it turned out everything yeah. still went on and it True. was okay. Mm-hmm. So it's the weight of the world is, uh, you know, not on me. Yeah, that's something, that's some really good growth to take away from that, mm-hmm. that you don't have to do everything and everything still can turn out okay. Right. Right. Um, you mentioned, uh, well, let me go back. So like diagnosis, right? A lot of people hate that word because mm-hmm. like it, and, and I'm very careful about that too, because th- those are labels, right? And sometimes people have put labels on people and they put them in a box, right? right. So how... How hard is it, or I guess when you found out, you know, like, hey, this is, the, you know, we call this bipolar two. These are the symptoms you're having. This is what, you know, we think you might be experiencing. Was that hard to walk through that? Like, oh, this is a bipolar two diagnosis. I have bipolar two. Um, was there that kind of. Yeah, well, th- there's a relief factor. You know, relief. somebody understands me, then mm-hmm. I'm reading about it. It sounds like me. Other people have it. There's medication. You know, it, it mm-hmm. gives you a framework to, to go from. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me and my identity, a, a, a stronger example is that I had to be hospitalized for a few days mm-hmm. when I had a, a, another bout of depression. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I became the person who went to the mental hospital. That was it. I was now mm-hmm. going to be defined by the person who went to the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me. I mean, it, it turned things around. I can't say... Well, I can't say I want to go there again, but if I had to, would I? Yes, mm-hmm. you know, from this state. But um, it was very hard to get over that stigma in my mind that how I must have been so low that I needed to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, you know, a year and a half. It took me to not feel like introducing myself to people as, hi, I'm the person who just, you know, I went to the, went mental, to mental, hospital. mental hospital. I mm-hmm. mean, it became just the focus of, uh-huh. of who I was. Um, so it's, it's hard not to make it your identity mm-hmm. once you, you've been told that you have something. Mm-hmm. But um, again, the more time goes on and the more I realize people didn't run away, things were still happening, my life is still rich, I'm still successful at work, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it starts becoming less and less of, mm-hmm. um, of my my main issue but yeah so you kind of it it's hard so it takes time it's a process but you also kind of you know spun it to more of a positive way of looking at it too you know like it helps me you know it and did. to understand that to be aware of that um and i you know that like the diagnosis part to be refreshed in some sense a sense of like i'm not alone you mm-hmm. know and we've i've heard that a lot you know over time it's like people realize wait a minute, other people feel this way? This isn't just me? And that's like so impactful, it, it seems, is. for people. Yeah. 
Um, what advice would you give to somebody out there that may be thinking, I, I, my mental health overall just doesn't feel good. I'm not, you know, I'm not experiencing life the way I want to. I'm, I'm having these bouts maybe of really, um, uh, sadness and depression, um, or, or the opposite, right? Um, you're that, that manic stage. What advice would you, and courage would you give to people to say, you know, you can get the courage to go get help? Like what, what do you think you could say? Well, first of all, telling someone doesn't have, you don't have to call the doctor immediately. Tell somebody that you're close to how you're feeling. Um, it'll help you articulate it and, um, you can get some feedback, hopefully positive, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And it probably will be. Mm -hmm. um, but reaching out for help can be difficult. I mean, it could be you you look up three phone numbers and you just carry them around in your purse for you know two weeks. Maybe you didn't call right away. But when you do uh, call a doctor or a therapist, um, it really will make an impact, especially therapy. Who can't use somebody to talk to? Oh, my gosh. Life? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the everybody. best, and they mm -hmm. have to listen to you, right, exactly. for the whole hour. <laughs> yep, and they got to nod their head and get make eye head. contact. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. So it's great, but um, it's good to have another perspective again because these disorders are such liars. They're mm -hmm. such liars. Uh, uh, tell they tell us inaccurate information about ourselves and how we see the world. So to have somebody who can see that and. Um, knows how to break through that um, really is life changing. Mm -hmm. So just to get another perspective, you know, family and friends are great, but they're kind of in it too. They're in it with you. So an outside perspective is, mm -hmm. is always helpful. A third party objective third listener. Party objective listener. You could find at stlouiscounseling.org if you wanted to, Imagine right? That. Yeah. Look at that. It's commercial. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's interesting too. Like you said, you know, one, find someone first just to tell. You know, um, someone you trust, someone that you feel comfortable with. I like that idea about if you're not ready, at, at least find three, three, put it in your purse or wallet or, wallet. or um, or your uh, man like purse, whichever man way. Purse. I yeah. thought there was a cooler name for yeah. it. I used to call it weapons bag. Um, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be able to have that ready to roll when it's time to, you know, to, to work your way to that. Yeah. Cause it is, um. It is a struggle. So let's talk about counseling a minute. So okay. like, you know, like you said, it, it's who can't use that. So, you know, from your perspective, right? Someone who's gone to uh, a therapist, counselor, um, what, what's it like when you walk in there first, when you're first meeting the person? The first visit is tough because you feel like you know all this information about yourself, your whole history, what you had for breakfast, today and 20 years ago uh -huh. and how are you going to get all this information downloaded like the matrix into this person's brain so they can help you uh -huh. and it turns out you know that's a lot of overwhelming thinking it it's just a conversation you're uh -huh. going to start off with let them do the lead they know what to ask you mm -hmm. and somehow you'll know what to say when you're there mm -hmm. whatever you say was the right thing for the time and then it'll be a relationship that will develop mm -hmm. um so it can be challenging to think about that first visit, but yeah, yeah, no, that's a great way of describing it too. And, and the process that people go through. Cause yeah, you're like, 
I got to tell them everything. And then it's like, and then how are they? Yeah. But like conversation. Right. And it's true. We'll ask questions, you know, um, because we can just come in and you can just sit down and, you know, it's, it's not, and it's also, I mean, there's definitely dynamics out there that are still, you know, um, lay down on the couch, close your eyes and all that, but it's not that. I mean, it's really just coming into an office, sitting down. Right. Um, it can be as simple as that and yep. talking. So, yeah, I mean, because I think a lot of times that's the other side of it is people are afraid um, because of the unknown. And, mm -hmm. you know, what we see about counseling is on TV or the media. And usually it's like, lay down and tell me about, um, talk about your mom and what your mom right. did to you. And you're like, I don't talk about my mom because we're private, you know. So and it's not like that. So we have to be, we have to know what it's really like going into an right. office. And throughout the process, I've been going for many years, and I love my therapist. Um, some days, maybe you don't have that much to say. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good day, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> yeah. you just want to talk about the movie you saw uh -huh. last week. But um, there'll be other times when you may not even recognize that something is ch changing or shifting in you, but they can, mm -hmm. and then direct you with, you know, to realizing that in yeah. yourself. So those cognitive interventions that can be instilled. And that's the other side, you know, um, working on yourself. And e even if you have a diagnosis, if you don't have a diagnosis, it's understanding yourself, understanding different symptoms you may be showing um, or displaying that may be impacting your life and then making, making change with that right. and being open to that. Right. Awesome. Wow. We covered a lot. We have. Yeah. This is good stuff. What else do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Jersey? <laughs> um, I think, um, you know, I, some of the, I think some of the most valuable things you said today was about the value we put on ourselves and how those disorders, right, are big liars. I think that's mm -hmm. how you phrased it. And that negative self-talk that overtakes our world. So I guess from that standpoint, that's why I'm hoping somebody can take away today as well, too, is like knowing you are of value. Mm -hmm. And even in those moments when you are most down, there's still value to you. Um, and then also, I think what you said about caretakers, too, um, patience and understanding mm -hmm. is pretty important. Um, not taking it personal. Um, yeah. Because I think that's... Yeah, you mentioned early on, it's like, you know, the relationships and how damaging sometimes a mental illness can be to those relationships. And like, if you're lashing out, and I think that's so important to hear. If, if someone is lashing out, we just can't automatically say, man, they're a bad person. They're just mean, you know? Right. And there's a lot of other words people can attach to that, right? And the reality is it's not a, you don't want to be mean. No. You don't want to just lay in bed all day long. People do not choose that. You know, I, I'm also come from the standpoint of like, I don't think people are born inherently bad, you know. I, I think this experience for me has, in all things, I no longer label things bad and good. Mm -hmm. You know, things mm -hmm. are gray. Um, people, circumstances, and um, that's changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we have been here with Ginny Beatrice. And she has been sharing her stor story, um, just about life, some of the ups and downs, bipolar too, and just some really great interventions we heard today, um, and just just from your story. So first of all, thank you. Well, 
lastly, I guess I should mm -hmm. say, first of all, it was a long time ago. Lastly, just thank you so much for sharing because when you were very, the words you, you said help describe um, that diagnosis, I think really good. Um, and that helps others understand that maybe they're experiencing it, but also the people that have somebody they care mm -hmm. about that's experiencing it. So you, that's a huge impact. So thank you for that. Good. So thank you. Thanks for having me here. All right. Well, this has been Tom Duff with mental health matters. Um, hopefully you are still listening. And if you're still listening, that means you should go ahead and give on giving Tuesday to St. Louis counseling, go ahead and look us up at stlouiscounseling.org. And until next time, Tom Duff, mental health matters. This has been mental health matters with Tom Duff of St. Louis counseling services. Check out stlouiscounseling.org for more information.